I'm going to repeat what I said at the beginning last week and the week before, that the point of these shirim, of these talks, is not to give any type of a methodology and education. That's not, that's very important, but that's not what I want to do. The point of learning this small little kuntras that we have, this little booklet, is to create a certain mindset, a healthy mindset of how to deal with the whole Indian Bechlal. I feel that a lot of the problems, I personally feel that a lot of the problems that are cropping up are due not so much to a lack in, in our sense of the details that are necessary and we've read books and we've gone to classes and we've heard this and we've heard that, but there's something that Bechlal is wrong in our approach. And my feeling is that this, that learning this together and, and discussing some things, adding some things, will hopefully contribute to setting the picture right of what it means to be mechanech, <clears throat> our children, our students. Mm-hmm. What we were learning last week, we were talking last week, we're on page, on page Dalad of this conscious. So if everybody could please turn to that page Dalad. Mm-hmm. We're at the bottom right-hand column. What we were learning last week is that the Vayishlam created us and assigned, a, assigned us two basic missions. Each one of us is a shliach, and our shlichus consists of two basic, two basic parts. One is lilmaid, that means learning, growing, ourselves, and the other is lilamaid, which means to teach, to inspire our children, our friends, our parents, and so on. And we learned that the tzaddik here explained that although it's true that we were certainly lacking in confidence when it comes to our own personal growth, and God forbid some of us have even given up Khalila, have given up hope in becoming the people that we can become. There's even more trepidation, more fear, more hesitation and anxiety regarding the second aspect of the Lamed, where we lack completely in confidence that we have any ability to positively inspire and affect others. And we were talking about last week that we have to believe that Akash has given each and every one of us the strength to be Matzliach in that, and has given each and every one of us the Kalim that we need with our children with our students, in our lives, to be matzliach with the, with the shlichus that Hashem has given us. And I was talking about at the end last week how there's a certain crippling type of a fear and an anxiety that's taken hold of our people, especially in these last few years, that has taken from us our confidence in dealing with our children. I just want, before we begin, to, before we continue, I want to just, I want to read to you from one of the greatest farm that was ever written on the subject of, of Chinuch, the, the Sefer was actually written for children, for Chassidish Abachram, in pre-war Poland. But there's a chapter of introduction that he wrote to parents and teachers, and I'm speaking about the famous Sefer, the Chorvus Talmidim, by the Holy Rebbe from Piazatzna. And what I was, <clears throat> this brings out, I didn't have time last week, but this brings out, this been trans, it's been translated to English, it's called The Student's Obligation. Chorvus Talmidim. This brings out the point that I was making at the end last week, that the reason that we need to have amuna when we're dealing with our children is that despite what we see before us with our eyes, we have to believe that there's something unique about each and every Jewish child. The fact that, that there's a chilek elokom yimal, there's a living portion of God that is within the heart, within the soul of each and every one of our children. It's not, therefore, the success that we have with our children is not something that could be explained rationally. It doesn't depend upon statistics. We needn't be frightened by any numbers that seem to indicate that we will not be much left. Let me read to you a paragraph, and then we'll be able to continue. The Rebbe, the Piazetzner, 
writes here in the introduction in his, in his letter to parents and to teachers. He's speaking about what Shlomo HaMelech said, to educate a child in his way. And, and only if you educate the child according to that, that child's unique kaychis and that child's own personality, only then will you, can you be certain that that even when the child grows old, even as he matures, he will not leave the path that you've taught him. So the Rebbe is speaking about this, and he says the following. Listen carefully to this paragraph. Because it's really everything we were talking about last week, and, and it, we need it for the, for the coming weeks as well. Every father and every teacher knows that their children and students will not remain children forever, but will eventually grow in years and possibly in Torah knowledge and spiritual devotion. Yet there exists fathers and teachers who are concerned, he means mothers as well, yet there exists, there exists fathers and teachers who are concerned only with what they see right now. Since all they see right now are children, the goal of their efforts is to educate their charges to become good children. No? It seems that when you see a child in front of you, this is what we see, and therefore our avoida with the children is usually to see to it that we have good children, that they be good to kinder. They wish to infuse them only with a child's measure of Torah and awe of God. This they consider sufficient. But the Rebbe says, but a teacher or a parent who does this is sinning against Hashem and against His people. It's a very strong lotion. What does that mean? Parents and teachers must know that their task is to educate and uncover children of Hashem and giants of Israel. They must see the children sitting in front of them as great souls, still immature. Their task is to get them to grow and flourish. Well, to be able to see the child in terms of what the child can be, we very often become stuck, I know this happens to me all the time, that we become stuck in our appraisal, and in our evaluation of our, of our children as their children in front of us. And we're no longer dreaming, we're no longer thinking about something that, that can be, that can become from them. A teacher is a gardener in the garden of Hashem, assigned to cultivate it and guard it from harm. Even if some of the children seem rebellious or flawed in their character, the teacher, the parent must know that the nature of soul seeds, listen to this beautiful sentence, that the nature of soul seeds of unripe angels, he calls children unripe angels, unripe malachim. The nature is that these, un, that these soul seeds are unri of unripe angels is to taste bitter as they are ripening and to be filled with nectar in their maturity, to be sweet in their maturity. <clears throat> My wife and I often marvel at, at, we don't understand, we don't attribute it to us how the children are growing because when you see them as children and the difficulties that you see, you can't imagine that there's going to be such sweetness, such maturity and such greatness that can grow forth from these very same children that you're handling with every day of your life and you find such flaws and such problems in their character. This is what we were talking about last week. Not, listen carefully. Neither the nature nor any particular quality of a Jewish child is absolutely evil. There's no such thing. This is what the Holy Baal Shem Tev and his disciples have taught us. What is necessary is just to know how to use these qualities and how to help them develop and grow. For example, a particular child may be very stubborn, which is a character flaw. I'm sure some of you have met children like that that are stubborn, yeah? His teacher may suffer greatly because of the child's stubbornness. Yet if the teacher were to reflect, he would realize 
that when this child matures and receives as his own the yoke of Torah and of service to Hashem, he will perform all his service of Hashem with great stubbornness and self-sacrifice. When you see a child that's stubborn, you know, the type that folds their arms, folds his arms, says no, or whatever you say it seems to be even a hapaychul, just the opposite. The Rebbe is saying if a parent, if a Rebbe, if a teacher would understand, would be able to see the child not just as a child. He said, that's our problem. The problem is that we see the children and we want that they should be good children. And we insist that they be good children. Because we want to be able to get to bed at a reasonable hour. And we want to be able to have life go a certain way. And we do not like uncertainties. We do not like surprises. So we, our tachlis, the Rebbe says, unfortunately, and he says, this is a sin against Hashem and against the Jewish people. Why against the Jewish people? Because you are measuring a child only as a child. And you are neglecting to see the potential, what he says, that nectar that, that, can ultimately, that can ultimately come forth from that very same child. Therefore, the Rebbe says, for instance, if you see a child that's extremely stubborn, if you see the child only as a child and you want the child to be a good kid, so you're very upset because you see that next door the children go to sleep on time. And next door the children do the homework the way, they, the way that you asked them to. And next door when the parents say we're going here, the children said how wonderful. And when you look at your, if the, this is of course just theoretical, and when you look at your own children, if you say we want to go here, they say we want to go there. If you say, uh, don't do the homework, we want to do the homework. Do the homework, we don't want to do the homework. Everything is with stubbornness, with a, with a cautious irif. So the Rebbe says, our problem is that we see these children, we say, shlechta kinder, the bad children. But the Rebbe said that the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh taught us to look into the depths of the child and to see the child in terms of what he or she can become. And if you do that, then you realize that if you have a stubborn child, that child is going to be somebody who is going to be able to be in this world, which is so sugar, to stand up to the whole world and say, I'm a Jew. How do you like that? I'm not going to follow. I'm not going to stum. Move along with the flow. I'm going to be my own person. Now, we don't see that in our stubborn children. Why? Because the Rebbe says our fault is that we want them to be good children. And a good child is someone that listens. Yeah? A good child is someone that's obedient and that sometimes is passive. We would prefer that very often. The Rebbe says that the greatest Jews, Davke, the Jewish people themselves are praised as being an Amkshay Arif, a stiff-necked people. I know you think that that's not a praise, but the students of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh understood that as being praiseworthy. It's true that we're difficult, and Maishu Benham had his hands full also. But the Baal Shalom said, Maishu Benham himself understood, Ki Amkshay Arifu, therefore they are a stiff-necked people. They have unbelievable potential. If we look at them in terms of what that stubbornness can be in the future, instead of how the stubbornness manifests itself in the lives of little children, which is extremely, extremely difficult. So he ends this paragraph and he says, He will not be frivolous. This stubborn child will not be frivolous or inclined to vacillate, but will be the kind of a Jew the Medrash described in all matters of devotion who will be as strong as the wall of a fortress. That's what can grow forth of this child. And the Rebbe goes on to discuss what happens if you have a child that seems to have a horrible temper, what that will mean in the future. If you understand and cultivate those koiches of the child. But the basic point that the Rebbe is making here is what we were talking about last week, is the belief that when you have a child in front of you, that child is not the same child that the non-Jewish philosophers, educators, and writers were talking about. 
It's a chelik elokamimal. It's a shtik elokus. It's a piece of the Rebbein Shalom Mamish. Now let's continue inside. And that has to give a parent chizik. We have to be mechazik ourselves and know that. And therefore to have emunah in our children. And I was talking about that last week. Believing in our kaiches as Hashem's shlich and messengers to take care of these children, davka these children, to believe in ourselves, and the kaiches that Hashem has given us to tend to the garden that He has blessed us with, Aleph, and Bez, to have complete and total emunah in the children, to believe in the kinder, to believe in the children. And I mentioned last week from the Rebbe of Nachen Breslover, that, that belief is the koyach, of, which is magadal and matzmiach, it gives the children the ability to grow and to flourish. On the last paragraph, on the right-hand side of page Dal, let's try to cover some territory here. V'yeish l'tzayin. You have the last paragraph? The Andal. Yeah? V'yeish l'tzayin. The bottom right-hand corner. Shekasha onu madabu me'inyin kim ha-mitzvah shalalamid. The Rebbe, the Tzadik wants to make it clear. He says that when I am discussing this matter of teaching, lalamid, in other words, that second responsibility that we have, the first being lulmid, to grow and to teach to become greater people ourselves. The second being lalamid, to be able to be mashpia, to influence others. He explains, He says, I don't want you to think that I, when I speak about this second area that's called lalamid, teaching that I'm simply referring to what? To being able to sit down with a Sefer, to learn with a child, to learn with a Sefer, inside to teach something or to, or to say it to he says there are two components within this category of lelamate of teaching. There are two The first chelik is the actual study of Torah, teaching Torah to one's children. Shekol of v'chol lelamate every father and every rabbi. Is every Rebbe, every parent has this chus to teach inside, to learn with a child, to say what the Rebbe Shalom wants of you. And how do you tell a child what the Rebbe Shalom wants? You learn inside the svar. But it's only one chilek. There's another chilek. It's not called teaching. It's called Mesiris HaTayra, giving over the Tyra. I've spoken about this many times in different... to Mechanchim, to teachers, to parents. When it says in Pekiavis, Moshe Kibal Tayra Mesinai, what did it say after that? Or Mesar Yeshua. Moshe received the Tayra in Har Sinai and he gave it over to Yeshua. It doesn't say that he taught Yeshua. Understand this well. It doesn't say he taught it. It says that he gave it over. Because there are two ways of teaching Torah. One way of teaching Torah is with the Svarm. It's saying Divay Torah, school and books and so on, Svarm. That is not the main way that, your, that our grandmothers and great-grandmothers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers necessarily taught us. They gave Torah to us. What do I mean by that? Mesira Satira means that it's not just a matter of saying this Pasik or this blood Gemara. It's a question of living a certain way, of talking a certain way, of walking a certain way, of reacting a certain way to difficulties in life and where the children watch. And the children receive 
from their parents. This is called Mesira Satur, when you give it over. You know, it's a lot harder to find a teacher who knows how to give the Torah over than a teacher that could teach Torah. There are many, many, thank God, there are many qualified teachers who studied curriculum and they took classes in methodology and they know how to present a nice Shia. But ultimately, that's not why you and I are from Jews. You and I are religious Jews because of a parent or a teacher who you remembered as someone who gave Yiddishkeit over, right? Giving Yiddishkeit over, it's not something you could explain necessarily in words. And when I've said this, I've, I've mentioned that in my own life, so my father wasn't able, my father didn't have really the time after the war, the Muhammad, he came, he was working here in, in the States, such crazy hours, and he forgot most of what he had learned, and he had very little time to learn anymore. So my father really didn't, it, was, it wasn't that often that my father sat down and he had the time to sit down and learn with me a page of Gemara or a Pasuk in Tanakh. But my father, in the way he spoke to me and what he said to me in the stories that he told, he gave over Yiddishkeit. That's Mesiris Atur, it's giving over Yiddishkeit. This, by the way, is a particular koach that a grandparent, that a Mitzvah we should all be, and maybe some are, and we should be able to be Zaychet to be, Grandparents have that, have that koyach. Where the Gemara says that kol hamalamed is ben benay Torah kilo kibla mehar Sinai. That when you teach a grandchild Torah, it's as if the child is standing by Har Sinai. What does that mean? Because the closer you get, the further back you get. I know that when my children hear stories from my parents, or they hear stories from the in-laws, it's not the same thing as myself or my wife sitting down and saying something as we see it now. Because that connection to the past, that Messiah, that handing down of the Messiah from generation to generation, that's not something that necessarily that can find its way into a into a sefer that finds it that's, that's in a sefer. It's a bechina of atam reisa. You know, when you see something with your own eyes, when you see something with your own eyes, it's 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 infinitely greater, infinitely more powerful. The impact is so much greater than when you just hear about something. You see, Hashem wants us to receive the Torah in such a way it, to feel as if we're standing at Har Sinai. So when you hear it, when you hear a story from a grandparent, when parents give over the, what they saw, what they received, on some level you're transporting the child back to Har Sinai. And that excitement, that thrill of receiving Torah is ultimately what makes our children, in the long run, Jews. Of course, all the information is necessary. And there's no question about it. However, you know and I know that years from now, years from now, our children might not remember that Ramban. They might not remember a certain diuk that was in the Malbim on Yeshayahu or Yemiyahu. They might not remember the diuk. But they can remember when there was a parent, a grandparent who gave Yiddishkeit, who gave Yiddishkeit, when there was a Rebbe, who made Yiddishkeit something that was exciting and gave over his inner heart, his inner feelings. That's what he's talking about over here. Giving over the Torah. We're going to talk about that much, much, much more later on in our discussions this summer. What does it mean and how do we give, how, how can we be parents that give Yiddishkeit over? How do we give it instead of just teaching it? Teaching it will not save our children. There are many, many educated Jews who are not God-fearing and who do not turn out to be, do not turn out to be Eilach Yidin. There are many people who learn all of the halachas about honesty and yet in business, God forbid, they're dishonest. They lead lives that are crooked. Their money is money that is impure. And they know all the halachas. Just like everybody knows that to speak in a base medrash, to speak in a shul, is a chil Hashem. 
It's a bizayin to the creator of the universe. And yet, that knowledge, and even having learned it in Shulchan Aruch, will not necessarily prevent a child from growing up to be another person who sits in the back of the shul saying, no, no, Kiddush, Kiddush. It's not going to work. Unless you give Yiddishkeit over. And what that means, we'll talk about throughout the sum. But that's what he's saying over here. It's not just a matter of teaching something inside of a sefer. It's a question of giving Yiddishkeit over. Therefore, you can't say, and you can't make yourself part of it and say, you know what, I really don't remember anything from seminary. Or you know what, or I have a Balas Shuva, or Balas Shuva say, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I never learned Gemara. Therefore, I can't teach my children. You know how many, many of my students, Balas Shuva, they're so terrified of their children getting older. Because it's okay, like, my, like a lot of my students say, you know, Rabbi, I'm all right. You know, I was was okay. Then Chumash uh, Rashi, you know, I prepared, I took out the art school, I held my own. But now my son's going to 7th, 8th grade, forget it. I can't do that. I never learned Gemara on that level. I don't understand. I can't teach my child. So what's going to be with me? So I always tell them, you're so silly. You're the most inspiring parents in the world. I said, the firm are jealous of you. It's true that you're lacking in, in, in certain basic information, and your children will not hold that against you. The child understands. You can tell your child about where you come from and how privileged, how privileged you feel that you've come into Yiddishkeit and you have children in yeshiva. But to be a personality that gives over love of Hashem, love of Jews. You know, you could be the biggest Tamil Chacham, and if you're sitting at the Shabbos table, and something comes up about the rub's talk in shul that day, and the parent or the father says, eh, Bubba Mises. You know what that does to a child? It makes the same wise guy that ends up sitting in shul talking 20 years later. Bubba Mises. Because everything they wrote, the children grew up in such a way. I'm going to tell you something amazing. Tell you something amazing. It says in the Zayar Kaddish. It says in the Zayar something that you might find a little bit disturbing. But we have to be honest. And this is what it says. <coughs> you know, there's a parasha in Chumash. In Kisaytzeh, there's a very disturbing parasha that's called the parasha of the Ben Sarah Omeri. You know what that's about, right? About a rebellious child. So everybody's worried now about rebellious children. So the Torah says, Kiyeli is Ben Sarah Omeri. Although the Gemara says it never happened. Never happened. Because that's a certain level of rebelliousness. If you're familiar with the halacha, it's pretty bad. But nevertheless, the Torah says, that if a parent has a rebellious child. So the Zohar Kodesh says, how could such a thing be? That a Jew should have a child that goes off the derech. How could that be? <clears throat> so, it says in the Torah, he doesn't listen to his parents. And they discipline, they punish him, they, they, they lock him up in his room, they don't let him go out and play, he has all kinds of, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, disciplinary measures were taken against the child, and the Torah says it doesn't work. So listen how the Zerah learns the Pasuk. How is it possible that a Jew should have a child that's rebellious? And then the Shemeh Bekal Aviv Ubekal Imai. He doesn't hear his father, the Zara says, he doesn't hear his father learning, and he doesn't hear his mother davening. The Yisrosa, and then they yell at him and scream, how can you not learning, how can you not davening? He doesn't pay any attention because he emulates his parents. You see, our grandparents grew up hearing the fathers come home and trying to learn an Enyaki, a Mishnai, a Gemara. They heard the mothers saying Tehillim and crying. They heard the mothers saying it's Sanarena on a Thursday night, on a Friday night. They heard that. That's part of giving Yiddishkeit over. The Zohar says, you could teach all the Torah in the world, 
But if your children don't hear parents who are sincerely, sincerely committed to Yiddishkeit, then all the discipline in the world will not help to make that person to a great Jew. They might be nominal Jews. I mean, I'm not saying they might wear yarmulke, they might eat la kosher and be shayim Shabbos. But I'm, I believe with all my heart, especially since you know, you're, since you're coming to learn, it must be that every one of you wants more of your children than they should just be shayim Shabbos. You want to raise children that will be gedolei Yisrael to be great Jews, to be great Jews, passionate Jews, not bored and tired Jews, but Jews that are mamish on fire. That only happens with parents who are on fire. That only happens with a Rebbe who's on fire. If the Rebbe is tired, or the Rebbe is bored, if the parents are bored of their Yiddishkeit, if a child goes to shul every single Shabbos, he sees his father walks to shul 9.30, quarter to 10, if they're having a nice little breakfast for himself and looking in a paper, he walks into shul 20 to 10, quarter to 10, what does it tell the child what's davening? What does it mean davening? He understands that davening is... <clears throat> and if he comes to shul and he sees that the men are, are talking and it's, and it's standard, so he understands. If he sees that the father has a chavrusa, and here's the chavrusa, he hears his father talking about the Nasdaq and the New York Stock Exchange. He hears his father, he, you know, he hears his children are so, so profoundly tuned in. We try to, we hope that they're not, but they are. They remember everything, and everything makes a deep ration on them. So if they see the father spending half of the chavrusa, Narishkai, <coughs> and they come to shul, and they see the davening, as Nishkan Lenin, Nishkan Davenin. So then what do you expect of the child? What do you expect of the child? Then you're going to try to find some special yeshiva to deal with children who didn't hear davening and learning. So that's the second aspect. It means to give over Yiddishkeit. And that you can't read in the book. And you don't, and, and you don't have to hear it. You, you don't have to have information. You don't have to be a person that's a Tamil Chachem or Tamil Chachama. You don't have to be. That's what he says. When they see that you have Midas Tavis, when they see a parent who, who, has done other, who judges other people at Kafschus, when they see parents who have a Karasatov for someone who does them a favor, you think, you know, now every yeshiva advertises Midas Tavos, right? Oh, he says, Midas, they're going to have a, you send your daughter to this school, she's going to be so idle. Edelkeit. Edelkeit is something that you have to understand. If, you, if you're in the house screaming and yelling and carrying on, and you expect to send your kid to some special school to major in Edelkeit, forget it. It's guidance. It doesn't go. It doesn't go. This is the bitter truth. We have to give ourselves over. And the children are going to receive. They're going to receive Moshe Kibbutz Messina Um Yeshua. Ultimately, when Yosef HaTzadik was in trouble, and he was, when he was caught in that crazy world that was tempting him, the wife of Potiphar, you know, what was the one thing that saved him? It wasn't his knowledge of Taisvis. It wasn't, it wasn't that he went to the finest yeshiva. What was the one thing that pulled him out? Yosef HaTzadik and that day knew. You know what Rashi says. What does Rashi say? It's the Gemara. He saw the Muzdiyut Neshalav. He saw his father's image. He saw his father saying, it's pasnish. Is this the, you, didn't, you didn't grow up in such a house. This doesn't befit a son of Yaakov Avinu. In other words, what, what Rashi's telling us there is that ultimately he wasn't saved because of what he knew. He was saved because of what he remembered. You understand? Because of what he remembered. <clears throat> Every child goes through a, a rebellious stage. But those children were able to reflect back upon a home where Yiddishkeit was filled with love, where Shabbos meant Zmiris and Simcha, where Torah was something that wasn't shoved down their throat but it was given in a, in a loving way. 
So even if the child goes through the bitterest of times, when it comes time to find their way, they have that past to look, refer to. Like Yosef Atzadik, he saw the Dmuz Yukna Shal Aviv. He saw the image of his father Yaakov. We have to be the kind of parents when our children are going to be confronted with the secular world, with the wives of Potiphar, which is the secular world, they will be able to look back in their mind's eye and to see Yaakov Avinu's and Rachel Imenu and Lai Imenu, us. And that's the only thing that can save them on that day when they have questions, when they have doubts. Because all of them are going to grow up having difficulties, questions, and doubts. And they must be able to see the image of us. And, and that image of us has to be one that's reassuring, that gives simcha, that gives chizik. And only that way will they be able to continue on that path. Tahara. Tahara. To hear how parents talk. The children are sensitive to how parents talk. Emunu bitachin. Simcha v'chayetzebo. Children that grow up in homes that are filled with depression, Lailayna. Where parents are always nervous and sad. So the, the relation that it makes on a child is that there's no simcha to be a Jew. You know how Moshe Feinstein was upset because of that saying that everybody uses shvetzes on a yid. It's enjoyable. Not when it comes to davening. He hears that all my father's looking for, where can he find a minion yom kippur where they get out the earliest? So he understands that my father doesn't love Yiddishkeit. He's trying to patter himself up from Yiddishkeit. When a girl is raised in a home where every single time it comes to Yontif, for two weeks before Yontif, the mother, she hears the mother correcting and complaining. Could you imagine a three-day Yontif? Could you imagine what the Baruch gave us this year? Children understand because in school they're taught that Yontif is given because Hashem loves us, right? And all she hears for three weeks is the mother saying, I can't believe he did it to us this year again. I can't believe we just had one the other year, three days in a row. Could you imagine? The freedom, I have to take care of them. So they hear this, even though you think such a thought. That's a separate part. That's the first section of Lilamahid, of learning. To believe that the Rebbe gave us Yantav because he loves us, not because he's trying to give us a hard time. But even if you thought that, do you realize when children hear that, when your daughters hear you're complaining constantly about Yantav? Or the children see now that people don't even complain, they just go away. They just go away. Pesach? Pesach is such a Yantav, it's unbearable. I have to have somebody else make it for me. It's a subtle thing. Of course, there's situations where people can't. I'm not saying that no one should go away for Pesach. But I, 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 I don't mean that families want to be together. Please be down in the Kafschus. I don't mean anything extreme. But you have to realize that that love that our ancestors had for Yontif and that excitement is eroding in the eyes of our children. Because the children are growing up feeling that this is a burden. It's an unwanted burden. And it's being laid upon them. It's like that with learning, it's like that with davening, and therefore we don't understand. If a Yisra we discipline the child, and they don't want it. Because nobody wants something that's not fun. It's human nature. They don't want it. Can you blame them? Can you blame them? The whole world is saying, have fun. And mommy's saying, ugh, it's nechayantiv. So what do they touch up, how do they touch up their lives? Let's continue with Chelek Beis. In the text itself. Chazal Akedoshim on page Dal. Chazal Akedoshim This is an extraordinary, an extraordinary title that Chinuch has. We find it's actually it's a Gemara by Rabbas from Daf Aleph, but the Shulchan Aruch formulates this in the, brings this down in the, in the terminology of Halacha in Yeridaya Simon Reish Mem Hey. There is one. 
aspect of Avedis Hashem and one alone that is called Meleches Hashem, the work of God. Meleches Hashem, and that's Chinuch, teaching. V'chol Melamed, V'chol Mashpia, V'chol Oifen Shehu, every teacher and every Mashpia, which means a parent. Zeich Elasek B'Meleches Hashem as this chus to be Isaac and Meleches Hashem. Let me read to you the din in Shulchanach. You don't have it in front of you. He doesn't bring the din. Listen to this din. That this is called Meleches Hashem. It's hard to believe. When you're changing a diaper, you certainly don't feel it. When you're saying a soft word, when you're saying a Kriya Shema or Maida'ami with a child, when you're having a discussion with an older child, and your heart is breaking because the child doesn't seem to hear you, and you're struggling to make yourself heard, that alone is called the Rebbein Shalom's Malach, Malachas Hashem. It's a din of based upon the Gemara. Shulchanach says, Malamed tinaikis tinaikis If you have a Rebbe of children, who he takes little breaks from class, it means when he's not supposed to, he disappears. Instead of learning with them, he's doing something else. He does something else with them. Or he's what? He's lazy. He's careless in how he's learning and how he's preparing. This is included in the Pasuk in Yimyo, Perak Memches, a frightening Pasuk, where the Navi said, Cursed is the one who takes God's work and cheats and abuses it. And the Meleches Hashem, the Gemara learns, is talking about what? Teaching your children, teaching your students. It's called Meleches Hashem. Or cursed is the one who makes this into deception. Therefore you should only have a Rebbe who has you Hashemai, who's God-fearing. And he brings down, the Ramah brings down. That a Rebbe shouldn't stay up too late at night. Because he'll be too tired to teach the kids the next day. A Rebbe shouldn't fast. Fast days besides the obligatory ones. And he goes on with other things. Because all of these things are going to cause that Rebbe to be what? To be negligent or to be weak in Meleches Hashem, in teaching. And the Ramah Paskins, that whoever you see, if the, if the administration sees that this is the behavior, not one time, but there seems to be a pattern in the behavior of this Rebbe, then what Masalkin lay? He's fired. We can't do parents. Right? It's called Meleches Hashem. It's a Dimish Ochnarach. The teaching, and again, it doesn't just mean book teaching. It's called Meleches Hashem. Hashem's work. So he goes on and says, Afal Pisha Kopulu Hashem, Harehi Meleches Hashem. Certainly anything that you and I do in serving Hashem, a bracha, a mitzvah, davening, a kindness, certainly anything is included under the general category of Meleches Hashem. Because any time you and I have even, this, even a momentary thought that I'm doing this to give Nachas Ruach to Hashem. And by the way, you should stop and say that. You should actually say it, not that other people hear it. You should say it in a way that only you hear it in Hashem. That I'm doing this to give the Rebbe Nachas Ruach. To give him Nachas. 
May all shana come in the bike. From the moment we get up in the morning, ad hashana till we go to sleep at night. I feel a cold over gashmi, even physical things. Shanach nozeichem lachshav basiyosai. Shayoda yanachas ruach levina shabashamai. If I think for a moment, even when I'm eating, if I stop for a second, I think I should have na- that the bishum said nachas ruach that, a, that one of his children should be healthy and should be able to serve him. When you're eating, whatever you're doing, the first second to give the bishum nachas ruach. Every one of us is a shliach to bring more honor to Hashem. According to your matziv, the tafkido and your responsibility, and your abilities, your yichayos. Nevertheless, on the royim, we see with our own eyes. When it comes to this, to this, um, Responsibility to be mashpia to influence future generations. Then we see what yesh nekudem yuchedes. There is a special point, the shefer meyuchad, and a special koach that Hashem gives each and every one of us. That He tells us shal kabbalas koaches meyuchadim shal moreches Hashem, because davka this responsibility of teaching our children, of inspiring our children, Hashem calls moreches my moreche, my work. You're doing my work. Everything else, it depends. You have to have in mind to give nachas ruach to the Baruch A mitzvah is certainly the Baruch work. Shabbos, Tvil, and Kashrut, it's all the Baruch work. But why did Hashem Davka call this Meleches Hashem we're going to learn? Why is this called Davka Meleches Hashem? That the Shulchan Aruch is angry for Rebbe staying up late learning. The Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah says, what are you doing? Go, go to sleep. The children need you in the morning. You should have your kaiches. That the children need you. That you should be mashpian, and therefore, if you're going to be exhausted, you're not going to be about hashpah. You're not going to have the kaychus. You're going to be lazy. You're going to be tired. More than only any other area of avodas Hashem, this is called malachas Hashem. Menase bez Hashem is baruch levar kamelimud in the bottom of the page. Nechlolim b'loshen chazal kedoshim shegilulam. Let's understand, therefore, what are chazal teaching us. By this lesson, that Davke influencing and inspiring our children is called Melechaz Hashem. Shari called the Vem Shechazal Akadosh and Nitnu Lemeshav Asina Bekailis Abrokim Mamish. All the Torah is given to Meshav Abain with thunder and with lightning. Umunach Baham and Yonah Belimudim Vefan and Belishia Vesayf and every single Pasik and every single teaching of Chazal has in it thunder and lightning. Mamish. So why did the Bereshulam pick this one area of life, teaching and inspiring children, and why did he choose this davke and this alone to say this is my Malachi, this is Malachi Hashem? Next page. Hey, the first explanation is as follows. Chazal Hakadoshim Gilu Lanu Bezeh. Chazal have revealed to us through this. Shavino Shabashamayim Roisesh Neroimim Vinagbias Kalhe Staklus Shalanu. This is, uh, this, you have to be careful with this sentence, it seems very simple. He says that it's the Rotsan of Hashem, our Father in Shamayim wants. That we should lift up what? To lift up, to make taller. 
our entire way of looking at things. The way we look at things. This is the main problem that you'll find in our generation. Not that people aren't educated. They know much more than our ancestors. The average Jew now has access to much more Torah, the tapes and the translations. Our boobies and zadies and listeners are Tamil Chacham. They generally left school very early. The women didn't have school at all. Right? It's only what they received in the home. But it says, the Novi Yishayahu said, and you all know this Pasuk, Se'u Merome Nechem, Ru'umi Bara'elo. What does it mean? Se'u Merome Nechem, the Navi says, lift your eyes up to heaven. Right? And look and see who created all of this. The Hasidic Islam say the meaning of that Pasuk on a deeper level is, Se'u Merome Nechem, which means, take your eyes and make your eyes Himmeldika eyes. You understand what it means? Lift up your eyes doesn't mean just to look up at the sky. Look up at the sky. Listen, if you're a person that you're bored, you're tired, you're not excited about being a Jew, no matter what you look at, it's still boring. <coughs> it doesn't tell you anything about the Rebbein Shalom. You know, you have all these people, yes, this person says, the reason I'm going to, you know, he said, why do you need to go to so many years for secular education? So say, well, the Rambam also was a secular scholar. No, you don't have these little shines. It's so silly. Not, not whether you should go or shouldn't go. The point is, when the Rambam saw something of this world, do you know how he looked at it? When the Rambam saw the human body, he saw with Himmelika Eigen, you know what it means? He saw with eyes that had a different way of looking at things. He saw with eyes that were lifted up. So you could have a person that might, ha- might know a lot, but their eyes are not, are not, are not in that madrega of what? They're not Himmelika Eigen. Now, what that means, how do, you, how do you have eyes like that? How do you have eyes that are heavenly? That's what it means. doesn't mean look up to the stars. What are you going to see if you look up to the stars? Well, if you're an astronomer, you'll remember things that you studied in, in astronomy. If you're a person that you, if you're a romantic type, then it will give you some sort of romantic mood, romantic feeling. But if you're a Jew that's on fire with the Baruch Shalom, if you have Himadik Aigen, when you see the stars... You, you, you say, But if you don't have Himmelika Eigen, if your way of looking at things is small, small, smallness, a small way of thinking, a small way of looking at things, then you could be looking, you could, you could be sta- staring at the coast and all you see is a wall. If you have big eyes, if you have Himmelika Eigen, then you could be staring at the wall of your own house someplace in Dallas. And you can see Yushalayim. But if your eyes are small, you can be staying in Yushalayim and you're dreaming of some more than goals, right? That's just the way a person is. So he says, he says, the first thing, the beginning, the Aleph of being a, a parent, the Aleph of being a parent, the Aleph of being a Mechanech, is what? He says, is to lift up your whole way of looking at things. That's what the Piazetz and the Eishkodesh was talking about. To look, in, to, to look at your children, not as children. Of course it's children that they should play and have a good time and be children. Of course. But you should look at your children in terms of, when you look at the children with him, in terms of what they could become, of what it means to have a Yiddish and a Shema sitting in front of you, playing in your own house. He says here that Sadiq, that first you have to lift up your eyes and you have to realize, what does it mean that everything that you do in your home, and if you're a teacher in your classroom, is going to impact Doris generations. Generations. 
If you think about that, how that's going to influence, that's going to affect generation, generations of Jews. Bein le talmidim or the students, bein le yeladim to your children. Because there's a special Yetzirah. There's a special little Yetzirah in this area that comes and tells the person, nah, it doesn't make such a big difference. That when it comes to this area of being mashpian of the Jews, there's this Yetzirah that tells you that you don't have, that your, your words, your actions will not have such a long-term effect. It's not true. It's simply not true. Even in the secular world, Lahavdul, psychologists will tell you, sociologists and historians will tell you the unbelievable impact that even the smallest memory has upon the child in his adult years. It's stamiyat sahar to tell us that it doesn't. It's a, it's a craziness that comes over us to tell us that that's nah, not so khashif. Where does that come from? It comes from our own small way of looking at things. And the Yitzhak comes and takes away from you that sense of chashivas, of importance, of value, of preciousness, that every single little drop of what? Of Yiddishkeit that you inject into your children, into your friends. The Yitzhak comes to tell you that's not so chashiv. It's not so important. And you therefore have to constantly beg Hashem. Help me overcome this Yetzirah that's telling me that my words, my feelings, my actions do not have that great impact upon my children. Help me overcome that and realize how every tiny little drop of Yiddishkeit is so precious. By parents it comes in one way, by fathers. By mother it comes in by father. Mothers it attacks the Yetzar a different way. By rabbis it affects them a different way. It comes in each period of your life in a different way. But all this has in common. That the Yitzhah is coming to take away from you all of that greatness of spirit, the greatness of vision that a parent that a rabbi should have when looking at his children, at his students, and realizing how every single word and action is mamish, is mamish, Either a drop that gives life or Khalil a poison that takes away life. The Ligzalis And the Yetzirah comes to steal, to take away from us our true Himmelbik way of looking at something. Look at things in a big way. You know, this Sadiq appears, that's the. In one of his Swam, the Dar Hamalach. <clears throat> he brings that there was a certain Ben Malach, there was a certain prince that forgot that he was a prince. It's happened to all of us. Right? 
but forgot that he was a prince. And as a result of that, he he was carrying on in the worst way until the point that he wasn't able to stay anymore in the palace. And he was driven away from the palace. And he went to the neighboring village and he was hanging out there with the lowest elements, with the real, with the real riffraff in the next town. And he'd forgotten once and he forgot altogether who he was. So the king was besides himself. And therefore the king hired teachers and professors and scholars to go speak to his son. Care of professionals to go speak to his son. And each time they would come, the kid was becoming more and more cynical, more turned off. There's, you know, another professor, another, another, uh, another rabbi's coming to talk to me. And the kid was more and more turned off. So they told the king that there is one great tzaddik in the kingdom who is the wisest of all. And if anybody can help you, then you, then you should bring this tzaddik. So the king, so the king said, get him and tell him I'll pay him whatever he wants. So they brought the tzaddik to the palace, and the tzaddik said, you know what? He heard all about what happened to the son. He says, I could, I could help your child, Mitzvah. I could help your son. I could help the prince. But you have to follow my rules and do exactly as I say, your majesty. And the king said, okay, whatever, I'll do whatever you say. So the tzaddik said, first of all, I want you to go to the, to the, to the royal chamber of your son, the prince's chamber, and I want you to fix it up in the most beautiful way, to fix everything up, to decorate and fix it up in the way that befits a prince. Second of all, I would like to have the most powerful telescope that you have in, in the, uh, in, in the uh, kingdom. And don't ask any questions. Okay? So they gave him this telescope and they fixed up in the palace the room, and the, and the, um, and the tzaddik goes to that, to that town, and they're hanging out on the street corner, the prince with all the chavr. They're hanging out on the street corner. And right away, he sees somebody coming over the long right beard, so right away, the, the, the kid starts to, he starts to make fun. It's not hashlap that my father sent to get me, to pull me out, you know, another, another program to put me into. He's not interested. So Tzadik comes, and he says, listen, Rabbi, I'm not interested. Tzadik says, I don't know how to talk to you. I'm not interested in talking to you, but I have something, that's a, I have something very interesting to show you. So that's always interesting, right? So, so the kid says, okay. What is it? And he sets up on a tripod, the, t- the telescope, he had the exact, he had the specific um, uh, 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 location set. <clears throat> and he sets the telescope and he says to the prince, come look. So the Rebbe said, the Bezestner said that when the child looked and he saw his room in the palace, after being away for so long, he saw all that was awaiting him. So he remembered that he was a prince. And he left that place and he ended up marrying a princess and he lived happily ever after. And the Rebbe said, the Rebbe said, with this marshal, we can understand the teaching of Chazal. Chazal saying, Ashrei Misha Gavoha, listen to the words, Ashrei Misha Gavoha Mipshav, Vain Peshav Gavohim Mimenu. Translated into English, happy and fortunate is the one who is taller than his sins, and his sins are not taller than him. What does that mean? It means the following. This is what the Rebbe is explaining. If we're going to teach our children, and this is exactly what the Rebbe is saying over here, if we're going to teach our children to fight against the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara, you have to fight, you have to fight, you have to fight. You know, after a while you get, fight, you get very tired fighting. The Yitzhahara that are out there nowadays, you and I, uh, I hope we're not so familiar with. We certainly, certainly didn't have as children such Yitzhahara's, such access to crazy things. Our children, if they're going to be fighters, are in danger of losing. Because to wrestle with what's out there now, it's not impossible to win. Therefore, what is the only way to win? 
the only way to win is to teach your children to be taller than Avayas. You see, if you fight with an Avayas, if you fight with the eighth hour, if you're in that wrestling match, you could very easily lose. Especially if you're sad and you didn't, you didn't do well in school and you're weak and you're, and you're emotionally drained, you could lose. Because you know, if you have no kaychas, you can't wrestle. If you're not excited, you can't wrestle. So how do you save your child? How do you save the prince? So that Sadiq understood that there's one way to save the prince. You give him a big picture. You give him Himadika Aydin. You show him how big it is to be a Jew, to be a prince. What does it mean? You talk to him about the greatness of the Bain You learn with him Svam HaKadosh and he hears big things. <clears throat> this goes back to what we were saying before by giving over Yiddishkeit in such a way. But the Rebbe is saying here is what happens is that people often fall into this smallness of mind and small way of thinking and they don't realize, they don't realize the awesome, the awesome significance of every single word, of every single action. You know, I used to live in a certain neighborhood and I dive in a certain shul. And I used to take my son there, my daughter. And, and it happened that, that what was going on there in that shul, and I happened to respect the Rebbe a great deal, and he was a big time of and I very much enjoyed hearing him. But first what began to worry me was that there were babies that were drinking bottles by the Aaron Kaidish. And everybody thought it was very cute. Then second of all, second of all, something happened that so shocked my, one of my children I would like to say it shocked me as much but it shocked my child more that there was a 15 minute break before laying before Kriya Satara for, for, for the for the Tavichavusas and the Rav very often would say something during that time certain how we're learning and it happened once that the Rav was the Rav was uh, about the Rav was, was, was talking for 2 or 3 minutes and one of the guys in the minion said no, 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 no. And it was time to take out the secretary. And my kid came home and said, said to me, Daddy, I, can't, I don't understand. And he didn't understand that the Rebbe was in the middle of talking and so, this idiot starts to scream out, Let's get on the show. So, I, if the, the Rebbe knows that I never dive in that show again. I want to speak to the Rebbe. Of course I spoke to him. I told him. And I, I'm still in touch with him. I love him. But I said, Rabbi, I can't dive in I can't. Because even if I'm already, if I've weathered years of callousness, of smallness, I can't, be, I can't bring up my children seeing this. I can't bring up my children seeing this. Because what happens is that the child grows up without that sense of greatness. Yiddishkeit has to be something that's gavera, that's tall. A prince, a prince who sees the palace, who sees the royal chamber and remembers that he's a prince. What happens to many of our children if our children are thinking that the entire Yiddishkeit is what? A lot of the boys think all the Yiddishkeit is is some rabbis arguing in the Gemara. All the Yiddishkeit is what? Is in our, uh, this one's making a Kiddush and what this one's and that. All these, the Kleinekite and the, you know, who, who, who brought this and who made this kind of a writing. And they see the Kleinekite and they don't see the bigness of Yiddishkeit. They don't see the bigger picture. So all of us are hoping, you know what? So the Sunday kiss the Yushan, they'll see it over there. We have to bring them up that they should see the cheshivas. And we should realize the cheshivas, the value, the importance of Melech Hashem. That's what he's saying here. We have to daven. He says we have to daven all the time. I'm sorry, I'm going to say, 
that our children see us as people whose eyes are turned towards Hashem. That we're religious. It sounds odd, you know. I'll tell you something. You heard the B'dikshavah, the Kedushas Levi? The Kedushas Levi, maybe I, I don't, maybe I mentioned this to you last week. I don't remember when I said this to you. But the Kedushas Levi once said, yeah, I think I told this to you last week. It was a regular Tuesday afternoon. And the B'dikshavah came into Shul. He said, all the men and women and children of B'dikshavah have to come to Shul. And all of them come to Shul. And the B'dikshavah, they don't know why they're afraid. Who knows what? Maybe it's some, the Rebbe has some, there's some terrible thing going on. The Rebbe has to warn us. And the B'dikshavah comes on the Tuesday afternoon. The towers are over said, and he gets up and he gives a clap on the beamer and he says, Yidin, don't forget that there's a God. What does that mean? What does that mean? These were all religious Jews. They all shamed the Shabbos shoes. They all wore the right sleeves and had the right head coverings. So what does it mean, don't forget there's a God? It's possible that the bishop is saying it's possible to be shamed the Shabbos, to go through all the motions, to have the nicest rulers in town, to have the most sneezed skirt in town, to have to use all the right Yiddish words, everybody wants to say the right Yiddish words at home. Anybody wants to have the right Gedolim pictures on the wall, right? To do all the right stuff and have the right Yichas. And, not, and that the children should not see the Bezer Barasham, should not hear anything about the Barasham in their lives, shouldn't feel his closeness, shouldn't feel the closeness of Hashem. That there's a God. You ever happen to you, you know, sometimes you look at an English translation of a person and you say, wow, that really sounds religious. You know, because your whole life is actually, but when you read in English, fortune are those who dwell in the house of wow, that sounds really nice. I never thought of it. You know, I just actually, fortune are those who dwell in Hashem's house. This is what it means to give our children a bigger picture that they should have him a bigger organ. It's in the paragraph. Then we should feel that this is the Malachis Hashem we're involved in with our children. This is a serious business. We have to dive into Hashem and ask the Moshe of the Shoshana Son of Ephraim Zer. It's not just a question of answering our children's questions. Please continue on tape number four.